Harrison Price for Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. We're coming to you from the GoGoat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver, nestled just steps from the shopping on Robson, the dining in Yaletown, the vibrant West End, and every unique side street in between. Hey, why don't you make it a staycation? Call the wall, 604-331-1000. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price. Grace Ass, hitting switches, conducting things. This show, a presentation of Applewood Auto. Applewood Nissan in Surrey's got the legendary 2024 Pathfinder. It is back, folks. You can get behind the wheel of a brand new one before your friends out. Financing rates from 4.99% head to Applewood Nissan in Surrey. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today asking you who finishes the top the Pacific Division? LA, Vancouver, Vegas. Vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. And we ask this, Blake, because the Canucks are a wagon. <laughs> Homestands, road trips, hot teams, scheduled losses. They are knifing right through it. 5 2 victory in Music City last night. Tuesday night, sweeping the Nashville Predators in the season series. Points in seven straight hockey games. They're tied with the New York Rangers for the most wins in the NHL with 22. Their 21 regulation wins is three more than anybody else in the NHL. Fifth in points percentage behind only LA, Vegas, Boston, and the Rangers. And first in goal differential by a mile. Plus 44. That's 11 better in second place. It's uh, it's an unbelievable stretch of games here that uh, only furthers to cement themselves into the playoffs. And, um, you know, not only have they avoided the losing streak, now they've tacked on another hot stretch. Like, their hot stretch to start the season at 12-3-1. That was marvelous. Could they build on it, we wondered. They just have. They just have. Jeff and uh, Rinkwide last night calling it one of the most complete efforts of the Vancouver Canucks season. Also this from Jeff, and we'll hear from Rick Tockett here. Well, actually, let's hear from Rick Tockett, first of all, on the overall effort from last night. I thought from the first period, I thought we were really connected. Um, I liked our breakouts. Um, you know, I thought each line did something. Um, you know, fourth line, big goal. Obviously, Teddy's goal. Like, you know, P, like we, we, we had some good, some good plays from different lines. I liked our D. I, I mean, I just liked the overall game. That's you know, that team's thirteen and three. That's a hot team, and I thought, for the most part, we were we were really good tonight. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. Uh, I mean, that was a team playing some fantastic hockey going into this game. So um, uh, more plaudits for the Vancouver Canucks and more evidence that they can beat good teams, which people have been saying, "Hey, yeah, exactly, they, they can't beat good teams. They just did. No, no, they just did it again." Uh, and also another theme there that Tockett hit upon, everybody contributing. Like, that's been the fabulous part about this second stretch in this most recent hot streak, Blake, is, you know, early in the season, the stars were really going. Yeah. You were kind of had some passengers there. We were wondering about depth scoring and Power things like that. Power play was doing all the work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Penalty kill still has a ways to go, although that's sort of continues and you know it's a 13.4 shooting percentage right now so it's exceedingly high but you're getting contributions throughout the lineup and that's what's got to make it feel fantastic in that dressing room you can tell the spirit and the energy is there right now you see Kuzmenko slapping his teammates and you know excited for them even as a healthy scratch yeah 
And Talkett also praising, and look, Casey DeSmith was wonderful again on Tuesday, but Talkett also praising the overall team defense. And frankly, I think this was just about mission number one for Talkett coming in this year. As Jeff noted in a tweet today, through 33 games, the Canucks have allowed five or more goals four times. Last season, that happened 15 times before Christmas and 29 times overall. Here's Talkett on his club's defense. I really proud of the guys that are defensive. Just, I, I was watching, you know, sometimes we'll, you know, we get out of position, but not very often. Like you can watch and guys are, I just like the way they play defense. You know, they're, they're protecting the middle. If we got to give a shot, we give the outside shot. Um, so I think that's really what I really like about this team is that they really, whether they enjoy it or they buy into it, they just love the way we defend the puck. And against this team here, I mean, they, 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 can, they have a lot of offense they can go, and I think we defended them really well tonight. Taking pride in it, very rarely out of position, and what a change that is for a club last year that was forever out of position defensively. I mean, last year, I mean, it was comical if it wasn't so sad that professionals could be that disjointed, that out of order as often as they were on the defensive side of the puck. And it's, it's been a 180-degree uh, turn, a revelation under this co- under this coaching staff. And yet, as we just mentioned, it's not at the expense of goals. Like this, the You mentioned the five goals surrendered stat. They've scored five goals 11 times this year. So every third game, they're getting five goals. Like you're going to win a lot of games when <laughs> – <laughs> when, when at least once a week you're scoring five goals in a game. Um, pretty unbelievable stuff. And if they can play defensive structure alongside that goal scoring, then there's no reason why this can't continue. Casey DeSmith, um, Casey DeSmith makes 26 saves. He's up to six wins on the season. They have earned points in eight of his ten starts. Here's the head coach on his backup goaltender. I mean, it's obviously a great. Patrick made an unreal trade getting him, um, but obviously he stops the puck. He's a great, but I, I, his—he's one of the most well-liked guys in the room. He's uh, got a, I mean, he didn't start for two weeks. He's got a smile on his face. He's taking shots after practice. I mean, I mean that boosts the morale. And uh, Casey Smith is uh, is one of those guys, high character guy. His save percentage takes a hit with the last second goal. Otherwise, his 923 would be even gaudier. Then it already is. Something important there is that he's a boost to team morale if you're going to go through a dressing room and find, um, by position, typically the backup goaltender is amongst the unhappiest guys in the room because they feel like they should be playing more, they don't play a whole lot, they don't feel as engaged, or they don't feel as a part of it. And and yet Casey DeSmith, and he's right, it was a fantastic trade from Patrick Alvin being able to move Tanner Pearson and all the baggage that he had with the franchise. It was a pretty good ticket as well, and be able to fill that backup goaltender spot and give Archer Shelofs more opportunity to marinate and and develop in the minors with Abbotsford. And, and the other thing um, about this is, look, DeSmith was coming off a wretched year. He had been a good goaltender in the past he was coming off a wretched year the Montreal Canadiens just wanted to move him along as soon as possible for a franchise that was keeping three goaltenders up with the big club earlier in the season Blake 
wow, that's a miss scout on the part of the Habs because Casey DeSmith has been sensational here for Vancouver and one of the big reasons why we're asking, can they win the division? Who will finish atop the Pacific? And the fact that he's got such a good attitude about it, this is a guy who twice in the last four years with Pittsburgh has started over 35 games. Mm -hmm. He's not going to do that this year, barring injury here. So the fact that he sees the writing on the wall, knows what his role is, and is a able to be a, a good presence in the room and stay on his game, which is a tough thing to do. And and every former starter that becomes a, a backup will tell you this: when you aren't sure when your next start is, it is hard to stay sharp. Yes. And yet, DeSmith has been able to figure that out pretty unbelievably. So, answer me the poll: Where'd you vote? Who finishes atop the Pacific? I think Vegas finishes atop the Pacific. Mm-hmm. I think they. Uh, They've been there before. They know how to throttle, and and there's no um, um, there's no worry. I don't think probably at this point for them. Yeah. You know, if, if, and the Canucks so far haven't shown much worry either. Their ability to to not have losing streaks is a, is a good example of that. But I think ultimately it's going to be tough to unseat Vegas. I um I didn't necessarily believe the Canucks could win the division earlier in the year, despite their fantastic start because. Let's remember, Vegas had a fantastic start as well. A defending Stanley Cup champion. I just thought Vegas deeper than the Canucks. Now, I believe there's a pathway to Vancouver winning the division. That's not something I would have said in October, even last month. But when you take a look at what they're doing now, just how well-rooted Rick Talkett hockey is now throughout this lineup, the fact they're getting Carson Soucy back at some point in January. I mean, I do think Vancouver's probably a little more susceptible to an injury to a star player than the other two clubs. As we know, Vegas has been through all sorts of injuries uh, over the last couple of years and just keep on keeping on. They're a bit more of a seasoned club in that regard. You know, if Vancouver were to lose a Pedersen, a Hughes, a Miller, I'd like to see what the reaction is, and I can't imagine... Um, that they would be able to keep up winning to this degree, minus one of those guys. But yeah, I voted Vancouver because now I think there is actually a possibility of this club winning its division, having home ice advantage through potentially uh, two or even three rounds of the Western Conference playoffs. Do you want to know the interesting nuance to the question here that we didn't even bring up when we were you know, brainstorming this? LA's games in hands? Well, no, just that the in terms of the being an agent for this themselves, they don't face either of those two teams yes. until February the 29th. I was going to get to that. As Jeff has, has tweeted, they play L.A. and Vegas seven times in a seven game, 17-game span over the final six weeks of the season, and it's post-deadline, too. So you're going to... Almost posted. To, almost posted. Yeah. Feb 29th is the first one. Right. So, so yeah. but most of those games are post deadline. Yeah. So you're gonna be able to evaluate what those teams are after they have made their But that's gonna be the playoffs additions. before the playoffs. Like yeah. that's that that could decide the division mm-hmm. right then and there. It's gonna be very interesting. Moving on. Elias Pedersen, Pius Suter, Ilya Mikheyev, Quinn Hughes, all with two-point nights for the Vancouver Canucks. And the Canucks, we talked about how the Art Ross Trophy may be gone, but Miller third, Patterson tied for sixth, Quinn, as well as Quinn Hughes. 
in overall league scoring. Thatcher Demko continues to be a Vesna Trophy favorite. But I want to talk Pew Suter here for a second because I think we were all a little bit surprised when we saw him moved off his natural position of center and put on a right wing with Elias Pettersson amidst yet another Andre Kuzmenko benching. Here's head coach, uh, sorry, here's Elias on Pew Suter and the night that they had and the chemistry developing there. He makes plays. He's smart out there. Uh, I mean, he's a center normally. Uh, so that helps me. I can be, uh, I don't have to worry or think about too much if I end up furthest up on the four check. He, he or Mick will track back for me. So, and I mean, today I think we, we played well. I think we played well in Chicago as well. But um, yeah, I step in the right direction today. Couple of things there. Number one, Elias pointing out that he's the center and thus has a little bit more defensive responsibility. I thought the Pia Suter might be the guy to unlock Connor Garland in the unorthodox way that Garland plays heading into the season because he was so well noted for his hockey IQ. But I think that's also a really good match with Elias because you know Elias thinks the game at a very high level. And thinks the, it defensively too. Yeah, well, and, and the other thing is, Blake, is that's now a pretty useful defensive line as well. Like, you've gotten better from a defensive posture putting Suter there than you were with Kuzmenko there or even Sam Lafferty there um, because you're looking at three very responsible defensive players. Now, can Suter be enough of a finisher going forward, or does he need to be a finisher? Is this suddenly going to be a line where you're going to have a, a, a shoot for centerman and Elias Pettersson? Either way... I'm interested to see where this line goes. I imagine it sticks together Thursday night in Dallas because of the success against Nashville. And we're sitting here talking about needing a top six winger. Yeah, fair enough. It's probably the case. But as I mentioned on yesterday's show, let's see where this goes. There's the possibility that Suter might be your solution. And if he's not the solution, you might still have two in-house prospects in terms of Andre Kuzmenko, if he's able to rehabilitate, or perhaps even Nils Hoaglander, who gets on the board last night. Let's hear from Coach Talkett on Hoaglander. We try to play a level offense with levels, and I think Hoggy's really taken it uh, this year. You know, if you watch him, very rarely he just sits in the corner. He'll he'll scoot to an area, and uh, he's tough to defend that little guy. You know, when he gets he gets to those levels. You know, he gets underneath sticks and whether deflections, even he gets underneath, uh, he's, he's had a couple of rebound goals where he's beat somebody to the net. So, I mean, those are the goals that uh, he can really get for us. It's tough to defend that little guy. Happy birthday to that little guy. Turns 23 today. And as uh, j Pat noted, he scored the exact goal that he did last night earlier in the season. So, so many things going well for the Vancouver Canucks here. I want to, I want to get in on Suter here for a second, though, just yep, about what please. his capabilities are. First of all, doesn't get many power play points in his history, right? So the, the point totals you see are, are even strength for the most part. Most power play points he's ever had in a season is three. So you look at his season high, career high with the wings at 36 points, 33 even strength points. That's pretty darn good, particularly for a guy that was playing on a team that – in his last year with the Red with the Red Wings, there was one player with more than sixty points, and in his first year with the Wings, nobody had more than seventy points. And we're not talking about a wagon there, so there wasn't a ton of offense to go around. So the fact that he's a fifteen goal scorer in three straight years, I mean, maybe there is offense there. Yeah, 
You know, like like I said, I I'm open minded about this and want to see where it goes. I I actually do think there's a chance that this could become a thing. I think we need to see more of it, obviously, to to form an opinion. As for Hoaglander, I mean, we've seen the hands. He's he's got offensive skill too, and you know, having any defensive conscious is the only thing that's. I think pre- uh, prevented him from excelling in years that have gone by, but there is no mistake when Nils Hoglander's on the ice now. Like my goodness, we, we wondered why he wouldn't just play hard in the last couple of years. It's sunk in now. Nils Hoglander's been a buzzsaw. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to Kuzmenko, and they win without him in the lineup. They're actually two and two when he's a healthy scratch. Couple of questions here from listeners. Ross in Lit Meadows. Kuzmenko for Tanif, who says no. Saw Elliot Friedman once again talking about trade interest in Chris Tanif and the Maple Leafs and Canucks are two of the teams mentioned, much like with Nikita Zadorov. Kuzmenko for Tanif, who says no? Mm. I think the Flames probably wants the thing flames I, I, I think the Canucks do that deal. Now. Yeah, I think the I think the Canucks probably do that deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think the Flames do. Yeah. I don't They're looking Flames. for futures. And you can make a case because Manko is a future and God knows he's they need got a scoring. One year left. No, I know, but he's young, but he's enough. young enough. And God knows pending they can use this. What do you really want to well, he's a pending res- UFA next year. Yes. No, I get that. But yeah. would he really want to re sign in Calgary? Yeah, yeah, I don't know I mean, about that. He 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 considered Edmonton. In his free agent to sweepstakes. Well, I think McDavid Drysdale will have something to do with that. Then they brought him to Joey's. Thing is, going to going to Edmonton, you don't get on the first power play unit just because he does get onto the first power play unit in Calgary. Just well, because I mean, they use a scoring winger. Hubert as Huberto continues to be a black hole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pucker Glenn. Pucker. They should move Kuzmenko for an asset that helps them right now today. Get the new guy in, get him to gel and build chemistry the way Zadorov is. Well, I mean, that goes to the window that we've talked about. Like, you know, who knows what next year looks like? Next year might have a whole bunch of young players in there because they're so cap-strapped with the extension signed. So you do have a bit of a window here. You somehow, magically, with some great work from Alvin, you know, giving yourself a little bit of wiggle room salary cap-wise – I can understand why fans say, "Yeah, make it happen." ASAP, and and I and I think even for a rental like Tanev, who might ultimately decide that he's willing to send a more club sign a club friendly deal and and stick around. Um, I mean, hey, Tyler Myers might not be done with the Vancouver Canucks. He he doesn't he's he's nested. We talked about Alex Edler being a nester. I think Tyler Myers, would I be surprised if Tyler Myers is back next year on a, on a club-friendly deal? I wouldn't be. And I think you'd make that argument for Chris Tanev as well. Mm. On to soccer. Messi is coming. Messi is coming. Sound the alarm. May 25th, BC Place. Enter Miami at Vancouver Whitecaps FC with the release of the 2024 MLS schedule. Yeah, I mean, we 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 had opined that this could happen because well, it was scheduled to here soon. Either not, either this year or next. Yeah. If I'm not, he's mistaken. never visited. They've well, never Miami's visited. never been here. Yeah, mm. since they came into the league, so they were due. And here we are. And I mean, I can't say that. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure how much 
uh, strategies involved here with Major League Soccer, but I'm sure that they, they don't really know. I mean, he's an older guy. What's his health going to be like going forward? They know they can bring Lionel Messi here and get 50,000 people into a stadium and watch. You can't do that in Portland. Nope. You can't do that in a lot of MLS stadiums. Correct. All those fancy MLS stadiums, for, for the most part, they are twenty to 24,000 seat stadiums. Yeah, the soccer-specific facility sounds great, is great, until you get a draw like Lionel Messi and you're and you're wishing for those extra 20,000 They've got seats. them here. I mean, that is going to be a spectacle, God willing, in terms of health and everything. Because, again, it's on the schedule, folks. Whether it happens remains to be seen. But it's on the schedule is at least the first step. And there's got to be a ton of excitement here for the White Cap faithful. What are your thoughts on the rest of this Whitecap schedule? I know these are early uh, minutes and hours here. You not, haven't dug into it fully, but what well, else do you see al- there? Also, the, they haven't put most of the most of the start times for the home games are not there yet. So we have yet to see, although it does seem to be that they are um, back to that 730 hard start. Uh, for the few that are uh, written in stone. Um, they're all Saturday games. I know they were uh, very much lobbying the league, though, and telling them that 7.30 didn't work as well as they thought and that they were looking for earlier start times. So maybe there'll be some matter from heaven there with these uh, TBD start times. Uh, again, I'm looking at a bunch of 7.30s, but not all of them. Um, 15 of the 17 games are on Saturday. Um, we know that's a lot easier to get people from the island, et cetera. Um, so, so that, that's good. Wednesday games are a lot more of a hassle for them as a business. So, so that part is great as well. Um, in terms of like how they finish the season, if you're looking towards that, because they had a very home friendly schedule to end the season, they kind of do again, three of their last four, they end, they're on the road for decision day. And I, and I get that you're, you're going to probably have to come to terms with every other year being on the road for decision day. They're on the road in Salt Lake for decision day, but the three games before that, are at home. So if you need a few wins to ensure your standing, um, they can look forward to that to finish yep. off the year. And as for those Wednesday home games, one of them is towards the end of the season, October 2nd to Seattle. So you know they're a pretty good road draw, so you would think that that would help That's sellable. supplement yep. uh, the Wednesday uh, date, which hasn't worked as well for them as the weekends in the past. And uh, the other Wednesday date is in July. Against the kids, against Sporting KC, so the kids are out of school at that point, and uh, I mean that's pretty deep into the schedule. And it's just it's one, so Mm -hmm. I'm sort of neither. It's hard to get upset about it. You know, you expect that you're going to have to play one or two at least, and they've uh, they've got that to two, which is not. They do host TFC Canadian rivals at home on Saturday, April. Sixth, I saw they were at Montreal. Yes, that's uh, July seventh, right? July sixth, pardon. So no uh, no visit from CF Montreal this year. They were a pretty good side, actually, uh, last Surprisingly year. Surprisingly so, yeah. Right. So there you go. Um, the Whitecaps, they get at it. Of course, there's Champions Cup matches against Tigris in February, but the opener Saturday, March 2nd, at home against Charlotte, and then their first away matches a week thereafter in in San Jose on March 9th and and you know it's last couple of years here Blake there's been some uh, interruptions or particularly uh, in the uh, uh, there's been some interruptions for mid-season tournaments and whatnot but it's a pretty steady schedule here uh, as you look at it you pretty much know that Saturday is Whitecaps 
Yep. Game day. March through, what, mid-May? End of May. And there is that that, that gap for uh, for League's Cup, yeah, as usual. There's a league, they're going there's back a, to the League's Cup again. So that's uh, their last game is July 20th in League Play. Mm-hmm. And then League's Cup begins, and they don't get back to League Play again until August 24th. Yeah, it's pretty much every Saturday with uh, a couple of Wednesdays, or just the one Wednesday thrown in until you get to June. A little bit of a break there. I guess that's a bye week for, ML, uh, for them in MLS in early June, and then, uh, as you mentioned. International break there, yeah. And, and did we mention just the opener? The opener, both home and yes. season openers, uh, is uh, in March now instead of February. So Right. Yeah. Although, if you're over on the island, you can catch them in Langford against Tigris That's right. on February 7th on what hopefully will be a crisp, cool, maybe even snowy evening for our friends from Mexico to experience a Canadian winter. And maybe uh, maybe with all these Saturday games, maybe a chance for the Whitecaps to seed some uh, Whitecaps fans there, and then they'll uh, take the ferry over the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. On to football, where, uh, gosh, I've been covering the Canadian Football League for a long time. I'm not sure I've seen many releases over the years. We've signed six receivers, but that's what the BC Lions yeah. announced today. Only one of them has CFL experience. His name is John Ursua. He's from the University of Hawaii. He was a one-time Seahawks draft pick, actually. Spent some time on Saskatchewan's practice roster in 20. 20- 22. And as we mentioned yesterday when they announced the signing of those defensive backs, including a CFL veteran, you're you're creating depth here in case of free agent defections. And in the receiving core, you absolutely are going to be looking at a new receiver or two next year because Javon Katoy, Keon Hatcher, Alexander Hollins, Lucky Whitehead, uh, Terry Williams, the kick returner, are all all UFA to be. I think they're going to move on from Lucky Whitehead at this yes, stage. He's yeah. been hurt a lot. Hatcher and Hollins were terrific this year. You want them back. And Katoy, it's extremely difficult to replace Canadian receivers, particularly with the athletic toolkit that Katoy brings to the uh, brings to the brings to the locker room and to the field. And the other thing is, it'd be disappointing to lose Katoy. You've put so much time and effort into developing the young man coming out of the junior ranks. So uh, a big re-signing needed there. But, you know, if you can't re-sign both Hatcher and Hollins, you need some depth. And, and the Lions have signed a host of receivers here today to try and backfill and supplement um, should they lose some CFL veterans. National Football League Week 16. We talked yesterday on Tuesday's program about the big Seahawks win on Monday Night Football against the Philadelphia Eagles. Seattle in Tennessee on Sunday to face the Titans, a Titans team that's got to be really despondent after dropping that game to Houston in overtime, blowing a big lead. Their quarterback, Will Levis, got hurt as well. And then Seattle, of course, is going to be a very interested observer. In terms of scoreboard watching, because we've got a triple header on Monday night football, and we got a double header, triple header, of course, on Christmas Day Monday uh, on Monday, and we got a double header on Saturday, and yet all the Monday and Saturday games involve teams that really aren't in the Seahawks neighborhood whatsoever. 49ers have already won the division. Philly's going to get a wild card, and it's probably uncatchable for the Seahawks. So it's all there clustered on Sunday. 
the other teams that you'll be keeping an eye on, the 12s, that is. You got Atlanta, Indianapolis, and of course, you're rooting Colts. You got Detroit, Minnesota, and you're rooting Lions. You got Carolina, Green Bay. You're looking for the Panthers to pull another upset. You got Jacksonville at Tampa, so you're rooting for the Jaguars. Uh, so, yeah, scoreboard watching and a lot of um, rooting interests for the 12s all clustered on Sunday on what is a pretty light schedule for the NFL typically on Sunday uh, as they split with five games on Saturday and Monday combined. Love it. Love a busy NFL weekend. Oh, I love the triple header on Christmas yes. Day now. Yeah, so good. Last year I went back east to visit family. I needed that triple header. <laughs> You can call it work, too. You know, it's one thing. I, I don't mind sitting around the table and having the big meal and all of that. But, you know, when drunk uncle comes around a little later in the afternoon, you, you know, hey, sorry, uncle, I'm just uh, watching the game here. Where's Matthew? <laughs> oh, He's he has to work. Room. You leave him be. You leave him be. He has to work. He oh, never man. stops working. Gosh. Well, and that's, Take a break. Man, Enjoy that, your family during Christmas. <laughs> God. Does this sound like home? It's, uh, I mean, he could be my mother. <laughs> um, and the worst part, Grady, is I had not been back east since pre-pandemic last year. So, so they all wanted to oh, catch yeah, up. There was a lot of catching up to do. A lot so what's up. this new podcast, like, Digital oh World? Is it Where like radio? Where can I listen to it? What Are station is that on? Exactly. Hey, I'm just flipping through the AM channels. I got the Vancouver uh, feeds here. I, where where do I find you? Matthew, I Googled you and some of the Reddit comments. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't go there. Stay off the Reddit. I think Grady should host a Mrs. Sikaris podcast. Oh, he should. <laughs> Counter-programming. Uh, Two octaves of Mrs. Yes. Sikaris. Shout out and big thank you to James the Liquor Rep, a longtime Securus and Price listener who typically stops by at this time of year with a little uh, holiday cheer. A holiday cheer. Yeah. <laughs> he drops off a little three pack of scotch. He knows I'm a, a scotch drinker. I go, Grady, three bottles here. Here, take one or two to mm. tell me which one you. He goes, Well, I'm not a scotch guy, but I am now. Yeah. So James, you've you've turned Grady into a Scotch guy already. Thank you for the holiday. And I, have, I have plans on making marks tonight anyway. So the fact that I got te tequila is perfect. Who are you making marks for? A couple of high school buddies coming Me, over. Myself. Oh really? Yeah. Ah yeah. Boy, you've had a very busy Christmas party I, season. Still got like. two more to go. Holy shit! Yeah, I know. How many on the docket this year? Five. Five I Christmas parties. I can't remember more than like two previously. Like I, I for me this year, very civilized. Yeah. Did a Christmas outing with yeah. Brad and our friends from Yellowdong. Did a Christmas uh, outting uh, with my attorney earlier oh, in the week. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you want to keep them on side. That's true. You do. And, uh, you know, just small sort of lunches, stop-ins, have a drink yep. here. Yeah. Not the big shindig. You've, you've had some shindigs, though. So. It's, uh, it's nice not having to cook, too. So if I'm, yeah. yeah. You know me and being social. It's, I don't it's, often. It's, it's a strain for me, but I, I'm trying. You know what she said to me last Because <laughs> we were supposed to open gifts between the two of us yesterday because she's going to... Prince Open? George. I haven't even bought mine yet. Well, see, I'm organized. 
So we were supposed to open gifts yesterday because she's off to Prince George to uh, visit her family here uh, over the course of the weekend. And then her best friend, who's like family, came on over because she wanted to watch the Canucks game and, and hang out. I said, okay, great. And so I said, uh, I guess uh, she can watch us open gifts. And, oh, no. Now we're pushing gifts to today. I had gone out in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. I had bought a bunch of things for us to have a nice Christmas meal together. Yeah. As you know, she's a vegetarian and a picky one at that, so I have limited options and windows. So I found some things I know she would appreciate. I figured, you're going to have that. I'm going to have this. We're going to have a nice dinner, and then we're going to open gifts. So her friend's over. The gifts have been pushed, and yet there's still all this food there. And she says, hey, Kristen, you know, what, do you want, what do you want me to make up for dinner? Matthew, for once, picked up something for dinner. For once. Wow. Looks like you've... Uh... She went. You've been called out. She called you yeah. Matthew too. Like a wow. little. No, she calls me Matthew a lot. Wow. But the passive aggressiveness dripping for <laughs> once. I often bring home something to eat. Anyways, hope you're gathering with family and having a uh, happy holiday season. We're going to make it happy for a couple lucky winners here with Sakarison Price. We had, for the last week, asked you to text hashtag Naslin to our Great Clips text message inbox for a chance to win VIP autograph tickets to Marcus Naslin's appearance at Pastime Sports in Langley on December 30th. We said we'd announce the winners on today's show, so here we go. Congratulations to Dan Morrow and to Mike Fink. Both of you have won a VIP Autograph ticket. This is front of line access to Marcus to get his autograph December 30th at Pastime Sports in Langley. The event. A little, we'll be a little late on the yeah. drum roll. Yeah. We're going to put him well, on easy enough. Did, you didn't cue me up. Come on. What December 30th starting. I never bring home dinner apparently either. You never. I love that you, you never. I, I'm home a lot of never. Dinners in the Never's a long time. Yellow dog cans, liquid dinners. That's what you bring home. Anyways, December 30th, 1 p.m. The event starts at Pastime Sports in Langley. Tickets available at pastimesports.ca. And Dan and Mike, all they have to do is show on up, check in at Will Call there with some identification, and they'll get their meet and greet with the former Vancouver hockey captain. All right, let's get to today's menu. If you're looking for a spot for some holiday cheer to gather, how about Greta Bar? Also a fantastic spot to catch the games throughout the season. Quick walk to the Rinker Stadium, go-to spot for food, drinks, and fun before and after the game. Make it a game night at Greta, 50 West Cordova, or at GretaBar.com. Patrick Johnson's going to join us. Lots to discuss with PJ. We asked him the poll who's going to finish Atop the Pacific, we talk about Nikita Zadorov and whether he's seen enough for him to re-sign him. Pew Suter on Elias Pettersson's wing. Niels Hoaglander and the potential for upward mobility up the lineup. What to do with Kuzmenko? What's he's been? What's he's been? What he has been most impressed about with this Vancouver Canucks hockey club? Hashtags featuring the story of Sean Stilato, Tommy DeVito, and Nino. Caniglio. He owns a pizzeria in Morristown, New Jersey. There was an appearance. 
It was on, it was off, then it was on again. You're going to want to hear this. Uh, it was from the fourth season of Sopranos? I was going to say, if it gets a little too Sopranos for you. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave Hall, Canucks Army prospect writer, is going to join us. We talk World Juniors with him, Macklin Celebrini, Vancouver's Macklin Celebrini and Team Canada. The three Swedes that are Canucks prospects, including Jonathan LeCaramacki and Tom Wielander on Team Sweden. Plus, uh, look down at Abbotsford and which forwards are pushing for a call-up. Sakaris Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. And at Applewood Auto Group right now, fabulous deals that'll have you smiling into the year 2024, especially at Applewood Mitsubishi in Richmond. Get behind the wheel of the Mitsubishi Outlander. It's one of my favorites, of course. I've been driving that for a couple of uh, weeks now already and absolutely love the way that it handles. The plug-in edition is fabulous, but even if you're going to put the gasser right now, Great deals. GT rate starting from 2.99%. Check it out at Mitsubishi Richmond Auto Mall. It's all good at Apple. Poll question today. Who will finish atop the Pacific Division? LA, Vancouver, Vegas. You can vote at Secure Some Price on Twitter and YouTube. We will put it to our next guest from the province and post media and filling in on Canucks Conversation this week for Harmon Dial. It's Patrick Johnson here with Secure Some Price. How are you? Why don't you ask me a hard question? Uh, well, th- this is this is where we're going, buddy. Because the Canucks are a wagon here. Points in seven straight. They're right on Vegas's heels. They have lengthened that gap to the LA Kings and going to make it difficult for them with all those games in hand. So who are you taking right here, right now, December twentieth? Who wins the Pacific? LA Kings. I just I've seen enough Such of a them. Party pooper. <laughs> I'll leave. What is this? The house of positivity? What happened here? Kinda, um, yeah. As as the construction noise goes on behind me, apologies, but no, I, I think that maybe that's maybe that's the metaphor I'm looking. Is under construction. I'm impressed with what I've seen from the Kings, the way they play, the way they, the overall pace of play, um, the performance of their goaltending has been a surprise. I still wonder if they're a team that's going to add a goaltender, uh, but there's just a little more there. And a little more growth, I think, in that back end. I've just there's just enough there. Like obviously the Canucks are playing really well. Like you cannot set that aside. Um, they are doing do really good stuff. There's lots of good things happening. I just I just like the LA sort of depth and mix a little yeah, better than this. Fair one. enough. What's been the most impressive part about the Canucks for you, Patrick? I, I think it is a thing that Rick Tockett talked about earlier in the year, and that sort of ability to be resilient. Um, and and deal with sort of adversity. I mean, obviously, they were very tired on Sunday, uh, pulled out a win against a not very good team, but pulled it out with everything sort of lined up against them. Um, I go back to the way they've played in, in moments. Obviously, they've had not great performances of late, but they've pulled things out in the end. They've improved as the game's gone along. Um, uh Casey to Smith's shutout a couple weeks ago. I mean, they talked about that. Like just learning how to play ahead, how to be able to deal with the teams chasing you. And I do feel like that's been a progression over the season. Now, obviously, you know, they've been getting some maybe some bounces on the goals, but you know what? A certain statement is, you know, that is the old you make your own luck, right? Like a good teams make their own luck. And they've been playing well enough that they've been getting some bounces. Um 
still lots to go, lots to improve. I mean, Rick Tockett, we can see, is being very cautious and talking about his team at this point and it, you know expectations and what he's looking for from all of them. Um, but it's going well. I mean, I, that, the thing, that, like I said, the thing that's impressed me most is the resilience, the way they've learned, the way they've been able to sort of take themselves forward and, uh, and, and the way they've grown since the start of the year. Patrick, they're a buzzsaw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? You like my metaphors season, behind me? Early this season, they I mean, it was almost embarrassingly good. Like everything they threw at the net was going in. Yeah. Are, are they earning them though in the last three weeks? Do these just seem like, like good hockey team kind of wins? It does to me. I mean, I, I'm not the only person that's pointed this out. The shooting percentage is unprecedented right so the success rate is unprecedented are they really in a percent shooting percentage you know at even strength a rate that we haven't seen you know anywhere in a very long time um i'm not i'm not totally convinced that obviously they have guys that can play we know jt miller i mean jt miller in a weird way is a kind of under discussed story because he's he's ahead of Pedersen in points uh, he's been he's been in the battle at the top of the league for overall scoring. Um, he's getting it done, uh, and and the the pressure he's put on himself. I think you know, think back to the end of the homestand last weekend. How frustrated, or sorry, last Thursday, how frustrated he was post game about his own play. I asked him going at the idea. Oh, you not playing very well, but you didn't play a lot tonight. Will that help you in the long run? And he all he wanted to talk about is how poor his game was. And that's a that's a big sign for this team. You know, Quinn Hughes, obviously. The the way they are finishing, you're absolutely right. Like, like they are that's the other thing that's sort of the turning the knife turning the knife aspect. And that's what they did last night against uh against Nashville, like the team that has been having some success, but the Canucks just took it to another gear and and showed them how to get it done. And how much uh, is how much is Nikita Zadorov a part of the solution right now? I mean, is it just coincidence that they're rip roaringly good since they acquired him? I think that's a bit of coincidence. I mean, it does help, obviously, getting a guy playing on his natural side. Uh, he is an improvement over Mark Friedman or Noel Juleson, whichever one was going to be out of the lineup. Noel Juleson obviously has taken over that spot. But, yeah, I mean, it's an addition by subtraction Subtraction as much. I mean, I was a fan of Friedman, but Zadorov is still a better player. Um, not a perfect defenseman by any stretch of the imagination, but but that just a little bit there. And I think honestly, it was coincidental. There was a that was an end of a long run of hard of a hard schedule. I mean, it's still been difficult, but they got to play at home. They got to they got to sort of catch up a little bit on their rest, um, and and get back down onto uh, you know onto what's been bringing them success and really dialing in on that. You know, they talk about being predictable to each other, but playing exactly the way they need to play. Um, Zadorov is an important, it will be a useful, important story. Absolutely. But he's not the catalyst in all this. Have you seen enough from Zadorov to sign him long-term? I mean, I, I am cautious. You look at the Carson Soucy deal, right? I mean, there's a similar player, similar, uh, type situation. You know, I get it. Zadorov, this is his last chance to really kind of push his value. He's 28, uh, but in terms of playing style, like look at that Susie deal, and I and to me that's what the Canucks need to hold firm on. They have not invested a ton of this guy, 
Um, and that's the thing for them also to remember. Like, I mean, that that is the the sunk cost fallacy. If they had spent so much, maybe they would say, well, we got to keep them. But you know what? The other, it doesn't even exist. They just this is a player that they didn't spend a whole lot to get. Uh, and I, I think they need to be smart with, and I think they would be, they should need to hold the line. I mean, they've got a lot going on. Jim Rutherford, as he pointed out to me, they're going to have to navigate their way. They, they realize what they did by buying out OEL. That is going to be a factor in the next couple seasons. That's something they have to consider. Obviously, they would like to keep Elias Pettersson. They want to make sure that he's happy and paid and all that. Um, so I, I will not be surprised if they hold the line, try to hold the line on Zadora. Obviously, it's a player they like, and they have obviously shown, you know, there is precedent of them jumping a bit early. Look at Andre Kuzmenko. So, uh, but nonetheless, even with Kuzmenko, they only signed him for two years, right? Like, I think there mm-hmm. is, there's something here. And we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. I, I think Sidorov is going to want more as you uh, outline his final chance really to cash in on a big NHL ticket. Pew Suter is a center by trade. And yet, um, given that the Vancouver Canucks actually have some depth at center this year, when you look at the play of Teddy Bluger and the fact that they got Lafferty or Oman who could fill in on the fourth line down the middle, um, some success last night, PD was talking about it. What do you think? Do you think Pius Suter could be the solution on that top line beside Pedersen? Well, I mean, certainly when he came over, you know, he was a guy that was sort of, what is he in? What is he? He's, you know, in Chicago, in Detroit, he produced second line, low end sort of second line scoring as a center. Smarts, he's got the nose for the net. You look at basically every single one of his goals like on top of the crease. There's, you know, one or two off the rush, but he's a smart player. Like he's your classic. There's something about Swiss Swiss players, just sort of the completeness of their game, the smartness of their game, and and that's a guy that I certainly when he was signed he was a player that they wanted to highlight the fact that he could play almost anywhere in the lineup he's a guy that could bump up if there was an injury um as a center they they weren't necessarily saying he had to be a center and it's been an interesting fit i'm not actually in the end surprised that it's looked as good as it has in the early going. Um, you know, you look at that line, the way meet a guy that can, uh, that can collect for you and, and Suter, he, he's, he's a, he's a bit of a, I mean, if you will, a Swiss army knife of a player. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you this. If not Suter, could it be Nils Hoglander given the way he's going and the yeah. uh, praise that Rick Tockett afforded him yesterday? Yeah, I mean, they have some nice options, right? Some nice dilemmas. And uh, Hoaglander, we've seen have success with with Miller and Besser. Uh, started training camp. I mean, there was no accident he started training camp with Pedersen, right? Like, there, there, there's a guy that that I think is a fit. He's found his way. That motor is there. He knows to get on the puck. And he's always had hands in close. Um, and, and again, a player to go back to that predictability aspect that he can see how things go he can see how things work together um and and if everything just sort of happens and he doesn't have to sort of go oh i need to go here oh i need to go there that he just goes i'm f2 or whatever right i'm on the wing i'm in the spot i just do this um he's a guy that seems to be thriving in that kind of scenario 
with Suter, he's a possession darling, you know, before he even arrives as a Vancouver Canuck alongside of Lilias Pedersen. I don't know that they're a shutdown line, but my goodness, are they a responsible line? And we saw some great defensive play by Suter laying down the stick there in the slot to disrupt yeah. the, the, the one time. I mean, not only does he have a pretty good goal rate, um, uh, you know, in his first three seasons where he's consistently at 15 in a non 82 game, like he hasn't been able to get to 70 games in a lot of these seasons. Um, he's got a goal, good goal rate. And of course he just, he's a part of a, of a possession game, which suits Elias Pettersson and, and with the McKay of speed. I mean, it, it's not the traditional ask that I would have for Elias Pettersson, but I can see it working. Well, the, the two way thing you mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, that, I mean, that's what he wants to be like. That's the player. He wants to be that dominant number one center, that Ryan Getzlaff type player, like a guy who just takes shifts over, takes games over. And uh, Suter's, a, it, it, you know, given his skill set, his two-way ability, uh, it, it, I, I, that's part of what I think. It's an, I'm not surprised it's been such a good fit, given the instincts of all the players on that line. You know, Ily Mikheyev's always been a strong two-way player. It, it makes sense that that's something that could be in their, uh, in their future. Now, Patrick, we have to talk about Andre Kuzmenko. A healthy oh, scratch <laughs> Again, Tuesday. Are you team patience and see if he can find his way out of this? Or are you team it's never going to work with Rick Tockett and they best move him quickly before the asset value diminishes even further? I, I Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do here. I mean, Rick Tockett, I think, has been pretty clear. We can see the way the players that he's been using in Kuzmenko's spot play. You know, you look at Hoaglander, you look at DiGiuseppe, you look at 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 any of those guys, Pia Suter, as we've been talking about already, like those guys get in on the puck, they move, they move, they move. And we Kuzmenko had a success last year because around he was around the net. He's a finisher, right? He's not a fetcher, he's not that player. And I think as I mentioned before, like I, I don't think I mean, the NHL edge data suggests he's not the quickest skater, might even be one of the slowest skaters in the league. Um that role is not a role for him. At the end of the day, Rick Tockett, I think, is, has tried. We, we've seen the shift. Like, the things that he's talked about haven't changed. The attitude, though, has shifted. And we've seen him change his feeling about, you know, his patience level. That this is what you need to be. If you can't get there, I don't know what to do. And the thing that sticks out to me is that they signed him to this big contract. You know, are people, you know, it, thankfully, only one more year, right? Like, right. And, and the number value isn't. A nightmare. It comes down to do people think he's going to be a 20-25 goal scorer, which I th- is what I think he was. Like I think it was actually a decent valuation. But are other teams going to be looking for a guy whose feet aren't great, who does one thing pretty well, um, but hasn't been producing and has a big ticket on him? Let me ask by way of follow up because I-, I saw somebody note on social last night that he was in like workout gear when he was um, grading and sending his teammates off, suggesting that maybe he was put through some sort of paces off ice. Do we think he's in NHL shape? Like his I agent famously so. said, there's a difference between KHL shape and NHL shape. Yeah. Do you think talking to the coaching staff are comfortable with the shape that he's in? Well, I mean, the, the Bali plan, I mean, everyone talked about the Bali plan. I, I have to think they would have preferred him to be here. Um, he got himself in pretty good shape. Like he was, he looked physically a lot better than he did last year. But it comes back to that skating power, that skating stride. Um, it's a 
it's a punishing schedule, right? Like this is as, as tough of a schedule as you will find anywhere in hockey. You're playing games every other day. You play, you know, 82 games in the regular season. And that's a different kind of fitness. Every guy that comes out of college tells you about how different it is. Every guy that comes up from any league tells you how challenging it is. Um, so from that standpoint, maybe he's not. I don't know. I think yeah. at the end of the day, though, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to the way he plays and his instincts and how they don't terribly match all that well with the kind of game that Rick Tockett wants them to play. Yeah. Didn't take a loss for him to come out of the lineup. Does it take no. a loss for him to get back in? I don't know. I, I think I think at the, I, he's he's too good not to be useful. I still think he, your power play is better with him on the ice than Philip Ronek. I mean, it's just four forwards, one defenseman. Is there's a reason why that's become the normal setup? Mm-hmm. Um, Philip Ronek has lots of talents, but he's not set and made to play on the half wall, and he's certainly not played to rotate down low. And that's what Andre Kuzmenko does really well. So I, I he's I think he still has a role to play. But what it is is, you know, going to be, I think, a frustrating one for a long time, unless he starts putting the puck in the net, and then yeah. that's what makes the difference. Uh, Patrick, marvelous stuff. Uh, typically, you're on Thursdays for us. We are off next Thursday, right. so we will talk to you in 2024, and we look forward to your uh, co-hosting with David Quadrelli on Canucks Conversation tomorrow. All right, Happy take New Year, buddy. Happy holidays. Thanks for all, everything in 2023. Always a pleasure, guys. See you, see you in 2024. So Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. This is hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. And Blake Price is going to lead us off. We giggled about this one today. Oh, my <laughs> Did God. We ever. At N. Coit, ABC6, Nick Coit covering the Patriots. We talked about this yesterday, of course. Bill Belichick on newly added QB Nathan Rourke, who the Patriots claimed off waivers from the Jaguars this week. The Pats beginning preparation for the Broncos today in Foxborough, here's the hoodie. Well, just the depth of that position. Um, so, you know, when you only have two quarterbacks on the roster, guy sprains his ankle, I mean, you're down to, you know, putting a receiver or a running back or somebody a quarterback. So, um, but, you know, it's productive. Um, preseason, you know, Canada. Man, a few words. Preseason, you know, Canada is how he finishes. Um, I'm feeling less and less like Nathan Rourke's getting a start here in the final three weeks. Yeah, thanks to uh, ABC6 Providence for that audio. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He is a piece of work. He's In that clip, he basically said, we got Nathan Rourke so we don't have to play a receiver or in the event, in the event of mounting injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the team, kid. Yeah. We got high hopes for you. Yeah. Oh. Of course, I mean, Belichick could downplay a Super Bowl. And has. Yes, yeah. you're right. Just another game. Yeah. I mean, great job by the coach and players. We're on to next year. <laughs> <laughs> What's done is done. At Dylan Robillard from the Hockey News. Nolan Patrick has officially retired from the National Hockey League after four seasons. Patrick, 25, drafted second overall in 2017 by the Flyers. He played only four seasons in his NHL career, battling serious concussion issues. He was never able to reach his full potential. 
222 games. He had 32 goals, 45 assists, 77 points. Best wishes to Nolan in his future endeavors. He's already taking on a role as a skills specialist, video coach, and mentor. Um, you and I are old enough to remember the Nolan versus Nico debate at the top of that yeah. draft in 2017. And, of course, everybody got it wrong because the best player in that draft was not taken first or second overall. Kale McCart at number four, Elise Pedersen at number five, Mira Haskin at number three. So, uh, yes, the Nolan versus Nico thing uh, didn't necessarily portend to the two best players. And in Patrick's case, a lot because of injuries. He sure turned into a darn good player uh, in New Jersey. But that was a uh, game changer for Philadelphia, right? You take a guy second overall and get so little out of him. He was supposed to be the centerpiece of a rebuild that Alan Vigneault eventually took over and uh, alas, just couldn't do it. Couldn't couldn't manage the concussion symptoms. I, I'm surprised he actually didn't slide down further than he ultimately did on draft day because there was some concern about injuries already at that point. That's correct. Um, and he also, you know, he was a bit of a Bo Horvat type of guy anyway that's sort of like really nice in a lot of categories, but he didn't blow you away in any way, shape, or form. And those guys can be kind of... yeah. It, 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 was, it was certainly not a year where people were talking about a generational first no. overall or anything like that. Now, one of the things that floated Patrick is he's a six foot two, two hundred pound right shot right center, shot. Yeah. and that's you know always going to be in demand when when that guy has some hands and and people had and a concerns skill about McCarr playing in the Alberta Junior yeah. A League and you know how much stock could you really put into those numbers, right? Turns out, turns out went to university yeah. and was <laughs> yeah 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 okay no but I mean it was a it's a, it was a worthwhile I mean when you're doing the scouting report one of the things you have to say about Kale McCarr is he is doing this against AJHL players not against major junior players and there is a difference but no um, clearly the athletic tools with McCarr were above and beyond and again the Canucks got that pick with Patterson so right. Because there were not a lot of scouts or mock drafts or anything like that that's that had Elias Patterson fifth overall that year. And credit to Travis Green, too, for saying, okay, well, we drafted this guy out of Sweden who might be a center. He threw him into the middle right, right away. Right. There was right. no real buffer time. Try him on the right wing or left wing and then move him into the middle. Game one. That's right. We thought uh, he might start on the wing because of just how slight he was coming over. But uh, no, played right, uh, played center ice right from the jump. You're absolutely right about Travis Green, and the Canucks are the better for it. Mike Smith is still looking for that puck on that first game. <laughs> At Ian underscore Mendez, for the better part of four years, that was blacklisted with the Ottawa Senators, frozen out and ignored. One person wouldn't stand for it, DJ Smith. Did he deserve to be fired? Yes, he did. But you deserve to read a story about his empathy and respect. Um, I mean, none of this is too startling for us that a tenured member of the media would just be all of a sudden frozen out by the member club in their city. We have uh, firsthand knowledge of this sort of thing. But unbelievable patron saint here for Ian Mendez and DJ Smith for him to... Uh, help repair some of that and get Ian back on the front lines. Uh, well, 
Eugene Melnick towards the end was a vengeful son of a gun. Yeah. And, you know, Ian knew a whole lot if you read his story after Melnick's passing with regards to just how dysfunctional the organization had become, just how paranoid the owner had become. And I know there were a lot in the organization who didn't necessarily appreciate that story so soon after Eugene Melnick's death, but it did do uh, a fantastic job in terms of explaining everything that was and why that club was failing so miserably on the ice and off. So good for Ian. He's a gem of a guy. He's from Richmond here. If you've ever met him, um, terrific reporter. Uh, and a wonderful human being. So I'm sure hope that they see fit to repatriate him. Are you out or do you have any more? Uh, no, I'm out. Okay. I got one here. All right. How fire. about this? Hmm. At reporter Chris, with Yarmer Yager playing his first game of the season for Cladnow. Oh, my God. The earliest he'll be eligible for induction in the Hockey Hall of Fame is 2027. How old will he be in 2027? So he's 52 now. Okay. Well, some guys wait longer. This guy just doesn't want to give it up. He's 51, Grady. No. He's, he's 51. He'll be turning 52 Next in February. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Made his NHL debut in 1990. Here we are. Before in I was born. Really? Oh, my yeah. God. Here we, um, how old are you? 32. 91 birth. Uh, he started with Claude in 1988. Yes. And is going to finish with them. Right. In 20, well, 22, 23. You say finish, but is he going to finish? Maybe not. He may just keep playing. I yeah, see Claude back in the Czech Elite League. They were second division there for a while. And 14 points in 26 games last year. Wait a year. second. They're the Claude Knights now? What happened to the Claude Bears? I don't know. Well, wasn't the Bears uh, the iconic. Uh, Check team? I haven't been. No, the, 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 that uh, emblem. It's like a Knights Templar with the helmet on. That's, that's, yeah. that's what I've always seen, I think. Are you walking easy nose right now? You're no. They, they were the clad no bears for forever. In part of Boots, eh? In part of Boots, eh? Really? I thought so. Thomas Placanic, Micro Froleek, <laughs> and Devin Searhoff. Oh, maybe I am wrong. On his <laughs> Often There's are. certainly one team in the Czech Republic that's the Bears. Anyways. All right, gather around. Oh, let me tell you a story. Oh, here chat. we go. I, uh, Back in my day. I want to call this a Bronx tale, but really the epicenter of our story is Morristown, New Jersey, where Nino Coniglio, the owner of Coniglio's Pizzeria, oh, or yeah. as they would say in Jersey, Pizzeria, mm. was prepping... For his big day with Giants quarterback Tommy DeVito Tuesday. You see, Nino had reached an agreement with DeVito's representative, Sean Stilato, for an appearance at the pizzeria, two hours, 250 autographs. Rewind to Monday Night Football a week ago, where ESPN cameras catch Sean Stilato beside his client, phone to his ear, pinstripe suit, fedora, with the gold chain drip to match. Stilato goes viral. And DeVito leads the Giants to an upset victory over the Green Bay Packers, where Stilato and his family go viral in and of themselves for their pinched fingers, forget about it, celebration. Shortly thereafter, 
Nino Coniglio is informed that the appearance fee for Tommy DeVito is no longer $10,000, but $20,000. Nino's some upset about this, but what does Nino do? He waits to see what happens Sunday with the Giants and Saints. After Tommy DeVito falls flat, he gets his agent, and I use that term because that's what ESPN called him. The pizzeria owner has an agent. Call Stilato and tell him DeVito's no longer welcome because of the increase in the appearance fee. Stilato contends that they did not have a written agreement and therefore did not have consensus on the appearance fee. Nino takes to social media where he says, and you have to hear the accent on this one, Google homework, the moral of the story is be careful what you're doing with small, bu small businesses and try and be a man of the people. Do what you say, say what you do. After the story breaks yesterday that Nino has told Tommy and Stilato, you're not welcome here, DeVito decides, I'm going to take this into my own hands. He shows up at Coniglio's Pizzeria, no fee, and spends some time with Nino and the customers. That's great. I mean, he's enjoying his 15 seconds here, you know? It's great. I, mean, I don't begrudge the guy at all. You're talking DeVito, Stilato, yeah. or Nino? Oh, but he, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Stilato, Tommy DeVito, will remember you as part of this NFL season in part because the Giants have not been all that memorable. And that's hashtags for today. Well, tis the season, Blake. Or prospects. Ah, we yes. talk prospects because the World Junior Hockey Championship is upon us less than a week away here in Sweden. And a pretty interesting tournament this year, given that how so many people are down on Canada think that the U.S. and Sweden might be better teams. Joining us to talk about all of that and about uh, the Abbotsford Canucks and who's doing well and pushing from the farm is Canucks prospect writer for Canucks Army, Mr. Dave Hall. Dave, Merry Christmas. How you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. How you guys doing? Ah, fantastic. Uh, looking forward to the holiday. Of course, looking forward to this fabulous Christmas tradition, the World Junior Hockey Championships. Always. We got Macklin Celebrini and his brother Aiden coming up on a show next week. First thing I want to ask you about is what, what I just mentioned there. This Canadian team. Why are so many people down on this Canadian team, Dave? Well, it's just not as star powered as some of the other ones. It's also, you know, a little bit younger than some of the other ones, especially, you know, considering Sweden, just the amount of 19 year olds they have, especially in their forward group and just such an experienced group that I think that was the big thing. And just, you know, when you got guys like Connor Bedard coming in last year and all that stuff, there's just, you know, all that star power. They just don't really have that one that one guy that's just going to blow the tournament away. So I think that kind of changes everything. But, you know, the addition of Matthew Portress just kind of throws a whole nother wrench into this whole thing. So although you don't want to say one guy is going to make or break the entire thing, I, I definitely do think they're a little bit better than they were last week. So. Curious to see what kind of impact he, like, I mean, as great an impact as he has had at the NHL level this year, 
that was surprise. Uh, that was, yeah. So now as he re- regresses, if you will, back to his contemporaries, like, is he going to be dominant? I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit curious uh, as to what that looks like. Well, I just think he'll add a little bit more, um, just a little bit more spunk to the, to the lineup. You know, mm-hmm. he kind of brings that dynamic game and I think he'll, he'll get, in, get into the corners and kind of play that rough and tough kind of game. So I just think he adds just a bit of a dynamic and a lot of experience, right? I mean, you love the NHL experience in there. It would be unfair to put any kind of Bedardian expectations Bedardian. Hmm. on Macklin Celebrini okay. or any Canadian player in this tournament. That said, Macklin's a Vancouver kid who is all but assured to be the first overall pick in next year's draft, Dave. What are your expectations for him as a 17-year-old in this tournament, especially given what he's doing as a 17-year-old in NCAA hockey? Yeah. Yeah, so, I I mean, he's kind of the face of this whole team. Uh, I just – he's 17, but he doesn't play like he's 17, to be quite honest. He, he's just such a responsible player in both ends, and he's got some flash to him. He can shoot. He can pass. His IQ is off the charts. So, you know, by all accounts, I think he's going to be the face of this team, and I think he's going to have quite the hell of a tournament, if I'm being honest. Is he going to play down the middle, do you think, or do you think they maybe try him in both spots? Well, so far they've they've tried him down the middle. He seems to have found some nice chemistry with uh, Fraser Mitten and uh, Jordan Dumay down there um, already. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, they do have quite a few options that they can put at the slot. So we'll see how it goes. I do, I do see them running with it to start. And if you know things fail, then they'll switch it up. But what um, for those who haven't seen him yet, Dave? What kind of a player? Like describe Macklin Celebrini's game. Well. It, he's kind of one of those tough ones because everyone now wants to just compare him to Connor Bedard. You know, he's not quite Commodore. You know, he's somewhere between Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli. And I think that's actually a perfect description. You know, he's he's got the Connor Bedard offense where he's just dynamic. He's exciting. Um, he just makes plays that you, you just don't see on the screen. And then he's also got that kind of bite and, you know, just that offense or that two-way game that you see from uh, Adam Fantilli. So I just think overall, you know, he might not be that generational, you know, one C that's going to just off the charts, hundred points every season. But at the same time, he's just kind of got everything. He's just kind of the, the mixed tool bag that can bring everything. So I just think overall, you're kind of just getting the complete package and, you know, sky's the limit with him. Yeah. Uh, moving on to team Sweden, or is it team Vancouver? <laughs> Three yeah. Canucks prospects on the Swedish world junior outfit. First rounder, Jonathan Lakara Mackey, who I understand has some pretty good real estate in the pre-tournament games on the top line. Tom Wielander, first-round pick from last year, playing on the second pair. And then Elias Pettersson, the defenseman, EPD, who's mm-hmm. a returning player for them. Uh, tell us a little bit about where these guys fit on the Swedish team, and everybody seems to like the home team here to win to win the tournament. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Eh? BC's kind of torn right now. They don't, they don't know Team Canada, Team Sweden, we'll see. But uh yeah, no, obviously, um, as expected, LeCarrie Mackey jumps right in his spot on the top line, top unit power play. Um, he was a little quiet yesterday in, in his exhibition game, a little qu- more quieter than I kind of uh, hoped for and anticipated. But with that said, going forward, he's going to be their go-to option. And just the both Sweden and USA as well with the development program is that they just have so much experience together. They've all played together for so long. And so 
you know, he'll be on that top line with Noah Uslan uh, at the center position. And then on the wing, it's either going to be Anton Wahlberg, who he's had so much experience with even just a couple weeks ago at the Five Nations tournament, or Liam Ogren, who they played together in Dew Gardens. So I just think no matter what, the chemistry is going to be there. Um, and they're all just, they're just so skilled that I just, I think they're going to be pretty dominant. We'll see how it goes. And then obviously with LeCare Mackey on the power play, that's kind of his bread and butter. He's going to be posted up on the half wall there doing his usual shot. So um, every, considering the firepower that they have getting in the puck, I don't see why he wouldn't dominate this one. It's, it's, we, time, it's time for LeCare Mackey to dominate though, isn't it? It, it, it is. It's time for him to assert, like he, he has been through this rodeo a few times. This isn't going to be, there shouldn't be anyway, nerves on this stage. This is the stage that he's suitable to dominate on. I, I'll be disappointed if he isn't a top five scorer in this tournament, honestly. Yeah, and you bring up a good point. And I, I think that is one thing that's, that's gonna you know all eyes are gonna be on him and i'm sure he knows it too like like you said this is the time for him to shine and at this point there's no real excuse he's healthy he's confident he's showing everything he can at the shl level and people have been hyping him up like you know if for guys like me or you know chris Faber and everyone else who's been watching him almost on a game-to-game -game basis he really does look like a completely different player and we've been saying that and you know We've, we've been kind of fighting people on that, trying to trying to show people. And so this is kind of his time to show people what he's been working on. So you are right. If, if it doesn't pan out, then, you know, we got an well, issue. <laughs> well, a, a couple of things. First of all, it's played on the bigger ice surface over in Sweden. So that should be a benefit to him as well. If he can get over the PTSD of last year in the tournament and the fact yeah. that he was stapled towards the end. But here's the other thing, Dave, and a word of caution. We all learned the Ole Ulevi lesson. Don't read too, too much into this tournament, right? Yeah. Like if LeCare Mackey goes out and doesn't dominate, are we concerned at that point or do we chalk it up See, as to me, just that, a... That's for the middling prospect. For the guys that you ah. uh, you have expectation on, Dave, isn't it, isn't it fair to expect these guys to rise to the occasion? You know, again, third time through the tournament, they have to be men of the moment at some point, don't they? I mean, it's it's akin to the playoffs and saying we don't judge them on the playoffs. We do judge guys on the playoffs. Totally. And it, it also, like like I kind of already mentioned, he's also been playing in the SHL and doing pretty well. So if yeah. he was still at the J20 level, then yeah, maybe, you know, he hasn't really done that much going. But now that he's we've seen what he can do at the SHL level against men, there's I, I'm kind of in agreement where there's not much excuse. I, I do agree with both of you, actually. Like, yeah, you don't want to place too much stock on the tournament. But in Lakaramaki's case, he's a 19 year old third time through. He should be dominating um, or at least being, you know, sh showing up and standing out every game. What are your expectations for Tom Wheelander on defense, Dave? Well, kind of the exact opposite. I think he is one player that is going to play well. But I think we also need to remember that it looks like he's not going to be getting power play time. Um, we obviously knew that with uh, Axel Standing Palika, he was probably going to be the guy, but he was out of yesterday's lineup and he still didn't get a look on the power play. So I think it's probably safe to say that Wander is not going to be on that PP. You never know what happens, but I still think he's going to be a really fun um, prospect to watch over the tournament. He he's going to be play, he's kind of in his element playing in that big ice as you referred to, and he's just such a fun skater that I think I think he's going to thrive. But I just I also think you should probably temper expectations on expecting you know a Lane Hudson type of uh, type of performance here. Um, but by all accounts, he should be you know a good player in the tournament for sure. What have you seen of him at uh, Boston University, Dave? How do you think he's uh, working out there through his first fifteen games? 
I think he's been good. I know, I do know that, you know, there's been a, there's a couple graphs that show him he hasn't been playing, playing very well defensively and whatnot. And I actually was kind of surprised to see that. I actually thought he's looked pretty damn good on defense. You know, he's, he hounds, he's a really active stick and his um, impeccable skating just kind of allows him to close that gap really quick. And so there are some things that you obviously kind of, his transition game has kind of lacked. You, you know, you can tell that he's adjusting to that, the smaller ice and the less time and, all that, but overall, I, I'm, I've been pretty happy with this game, to be honest. He, he's excited me, by all accounts. Speaking of Lane Hudson's team, um, two, three weeks ago, we found out Hunter, Hunter Bristavich isn't going to the tournament at all, and yet he's just ripped it up continuously over those three weeks to the point where at the break now, the junior, he's leading the OHL again in overall scoring. Yeah. Um, is, is it still burning in your stomach that he's not there, or have you gotten over it? I mean, yeah, it is what it is. It, it, I mean, you just kind of feel bad for the for the player, right? Because this is his last opportunity to do it. And, you know, when he made the move, he probably understood that that was probably something that he was giving up. But at the same time, I mean, I, I, I just don't think when you see the players who they brought in in replacement, they're kind of just lesser versions of Hunter Kristevich. So it's, it's, it's just overall just a big slight on the whole thing. And I think... Uh, it was the second game since he had been cut. He actually scored a goal and he uh, he gave a nice dab in his uh, in his celebration there. And I kind of I feel like that's a bit of a shot. So I don't know. He might say that he's not feeling it, but I think he's probably still a little sour. I'm sorry, Dave. You said he dabbed. Yeah, he did. I, I actually oh, okay. didn't. Yeah. 2016. I was gonna say, is Cam Newton uh, there with him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> apparently, uh, the kids are still doing it. Apparently, yes. Uh, some of us never started. That kid, anyway. Um, <clears throat> on the Canucks, Dave, and and look, we were just talking before we started recording here. Like the defense score is pretty solid now. I mean, you got Carson Soucy coming back in a couple of weeks. Noah Jolson has played basically a quarter of the season now consecutively for them. And yet it's the forward lines that are a little more in flux. We're seeing different guys get scratched. And of course, searching for solutions in the top six to be a scorer. Now I'm not sure there's anybody in Abbotsford that could be a solution as a scorer in the top six, but who knows? Uh, maybe Hoaglander, maybe Suter wind up sticking there. And then the Canucks are looking for just help on the wing or at forward period. Who stood out to you? Who, who would you say uh, as we sit here uh, nearly half the season in who's been the best forwards in Abbotsford and why? Well, I, I think it's kind of a, a bit of a loaded question because I think there's a few players that have done some nice things all at different times. I think everyone has kind of seen their struggles, like even Archie Baines, who just lit the league on fire in his first 10 games, has dropped off a bit, at least offensively. Uh, I think he has six points in his last 12 games. So, you know, it's definitely not happening like it was in September and October for him. Um, but, and, you know, obviously the, the easy answer would probably be what everyone wants to hear is Vasily Podkolzin. But even he's since his obviously he was doing great things before the injury but since his return he's got one goal um not a lack of effort he leads the team in shots since his return with 40 shots but he just hasn't been able to fill the net like he was before and he's still just getting his game back and obviously rutherford made his rounds last week in the media circuit and he made it pretty clear that you know they have a plan for him and they're probably going to be sticking to it so i just think as of right now you could probably just count facility pod colson out of that mix um you know, we, we've seen Linus Carlson already come up, and so I think he's probably an easy answer just to kind of say he's an easy call-up. He kind of plays Tockett's game. I'm sure he likes what he sees. He's he's a hard worker, can uh, chip in with some offense from here and here here and there. 
Um, but my 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 bet is still on RG Baines. You know, he, he's dropped off offensively, but he kind of just brings everything that talk. He's a talking type player. He brings speed. He works hard every shift. You don't have to worry about that. He can uh, pinch in with some offense. So at this point, I just don't see why you're not just going to give him a, give him an opportunity at least to see what he's got. Uh, kind of like they did with Carlson um, up there and just see what he could do. Because overall, he's got everything that Rick Tockett's going to like. If they give up mm-hmm. on PDG, if they feel like they want to try something, like could he be a fourth-line player at the NHL level? Do they, I mean, we've heard good things about his work ethic and his, his ability to, to muck it up a little bit at times as well. Could you see him in a fourth-line role? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's... I think that's what you're going to ask him to play somewhere between the, you know, a third and fourth role play. And that's why, you know, with Vasily uh, Pod Colson or even an Atu Ratu, you know, you don't, you don't want to throw in these kids that you're trying, you're throwing in for a project and hoping that Tockett will like him. And then he's, they're kind of like, you know, going back and forth, trying to figure out where they are in the NHL with Archie Baines, you can plug in on that fourth line and you know, he's going to be delivering that kind of game. So I just think it's at this point, rather than fooling around with a couple of opportunities, Vancouver does the Canucks don't need help. You know, they're, they're doing all the right things right now. So they just, they don't need scoring. They don't need a project. We want those, we want those prospects, those high touted prospects to develop. Let's let them develop in Abbotsford and let's, let's get our steep pains. Let's see what he can do. I, I've been saying this since the very beginning though. So. Yeah. No, you have, you have, you've uh, long been uh, on the train there. Team Archdeep, Dave Hall yeah. of Canucks army. And uh, thank you for your help on the world juniors. Look forward to watching that. Hey, have a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, buddy. We'll catch up Happy in 2024. Holidays. Yeah, Merry Christmas, guys. Secure some price from Wall Center. Presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us, 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. And shout out to uh, Courtney and everyone at the Great Clips Davy location. Got my hair cut yesterday. Ah, you mm-hmm. are looking a little mm-hmm. groomed. Thank, you. Thank yeah. you. Just in time for Christmas and all the family photos. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Poll question results from Tuesday. We asked you, have you seen enough from Nikita Zadorov to sign him long term? Yes or no? What did the people say, Blick? Um, they said no. Correct. Percentage? 60. 57. Hmm. I was a little surprised. I thought I might see yes here. Simply because a big, mean, tough defenseman who had recently avenged Petey, right? The sample says, oh, I think it was his ninth game. game. Yeah. Yeah. So I think at like the 20 game mark, I think, you know, I think we're halfway to where people want to be. Well, seven, seven, one, and one with him in the lineup. Yeah. Jungle bets until you sign EP, don't spend another cent, period. We saw a lot of that in the comments. Make Patterson and Hronik your priorities and then deal with this later. So I think that drove a lot of the no vote. Yeah, know exactly what you have to work with. What, yeah. what, sorry, what did you say the breakdown was for percentages? 57. 57, no. Okay, so YouTube was 51, yes. Yeah, I'm mm. not surprised. David says yes because he's had an instant impact. Dean says his profile is almost exactly the same as Tyler, Meyer, uh, Tyler Myers, except he's got more snarl. But yes, there are a lot of other things that are similar, the size, the mobility. Canucks 2030, don't sign third pair D-men to long-term contracts. This is not hard. 
So if you believe him a third-pair defenseman, then yes. What's a long-term contract, though, too? Like, I would say anything four, over three. Anything yeah. over three, probably, right? I was going right? to say four and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it might be a, a, anything above two. I think three years just kind of a bridgy kind of thing. Um, I don't think anybody thought Carson Soucy was signed to like a long-term deal because well, we're seeing that a lot in the comments here. People saying they should do the C- the Soucy deal, but there's I, zero I think he's chance of taking more, that. Yeah, yeah there's zero chance. That. I think it's closer to the Good Branson deal, four yeah. times four, and yep. maybe even more. I think yeah. it's more. I think, right. I think they're looking it's for more. more. But especially yeah. if if the offense comes alive a bit here, which we still really haven't seen so far in his tenure. I don't think he's going to be allowed to let his offense come alive. Yeah, probably not. Well, and also in terms of the good Branson deal, and that may well be an outlier, I think. Yeah, Yarmo. Looked at that and said, what the hell are you doing, Kekalina? But if that is a comparable, he's younger than good Branson. Yep. Yeah. Now, left shot, not right. but Not younger, but and you, younger. And they might, <laughs> they'll say, well, we want to see you try, try to play on the right side here. That's another absolutely. Kind of I mean, one of them has to show uh, aptitude on the right side between him, Cole, and Susie. All right, errors and omissions from yesterday's program. I, I, I do not have an error or an omission noted. I feel like we left an O on the board somewhere, but I forgot uh, to note it. So okay, yeah. it's possible. Yeah, omission is that we forgot the omission. <laughs> not the first time we've had no. to say that. That get, way, get digging, Yerky. Well, yeah, we, exactly. We did have now. This is Colin and Planning and Yerky are going to go rifling through yesterday's show. This is an editorial. I don't know if you want to say error, but I didn't. It's not an error. It's an opinion. But yes, yeah. So John Shannon said the return for Horvat has not worked out perfectly for the Canucks, and we're thinking he was talking about Beauvillier. And yeah, R- Ratu has yet to establish himself as an NHL player and Beauvillier did not work H- out here. HK Linker on YouTube said Beauvillier they had to take in the deal and they've since moved him in the cap hit. Ratu is developing prospect in Abbotsford appears to be on schedule the first round pick turn it to Hironic yeah. and no one is complaining about his impact on the team this year. I don't see a problem with the return. Yeah the trade tree is fine. Yeah. 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 Betway bets of the daytime Falcons making a change at quarterback. Desmond Ritter sitting down. Taylor Heineke taking over. I've liked Heineke in the past. He's played well in some big games back in Washington. So I'm going to lay one point, especially since they got to be angry after losing at Carolina. So I'm going to lay the one point with the Falcons at home over Indianapolis. Um, there's been a lot of noise swirling around the Steelers. Um I feel like Tomlin's going to coach like he's never coached before and coach for a win. And, of course, you know, these are the Browning-led Bengals. So I think it, it, this one's there. Jake Browning coming down to earth at some point, yeah. right? So Steelers at home at 2.15. Yeah, I'll take that. On your Betway bets of the day, must be 19-plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us, Rinkwide and Canucks Conversation, wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.